Well, bless the wonderful name of Jesus, everybody. Hello, this is Pastor Mark A. Stroud, and I thank you so much once again for joining me for Kingdom Rock Radio. On today's broadcast, you're going to hear a message from my wife, Pastor Sumiko Stroud, as she brings forth this word entitled, A Wise Woman. Oh, my Lord, we were so richly encouraged today, and I know that you will be too. I can't wait for you to hear this. Now, don't forget to go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. There you can hear today's message in its entirety, as well as watch the video. It's there, believe me. So check it out. Without any further ado, here comes this word of wisdom to all mothers, to all ladies, to all daughters. Hear this word entitled, A Wise Woman, by Pastor Sumiko Stroud, right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. Enjoy. As we go through this today, what I want to do is I want to encourage you, as always, um, when we're hearing the word of God, is I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, show me me in this so that I can, you know, yield myself to you and you can work it out of me. There's no shame in it. Um, we're going to all see ourselves in this uh, at some point or another. And even though it says wise woman, well, you know, gentlemen, I'm sure at some point you've also had the privilege of playing the role of a fool and uh, what you were supposed to be doing. But I guess we'll get to that Father's Day. So you get a pass today, okay? You get to just know how to pray for the women in your life. So we're going to go ahead into this, the wise woman. Our focus scripture today is Proverbs 14. Now we're going to have it from the King James Version, and we're also going to have it from the Amplified Bible. But from the King James, it says, every wise woman builded her house, but the foolish pluck it down with her hands. Doesn't that just speak to you when you're like, Oh my, every, so you don't even get a choice to be, this one does not apply to me because this, it, this is every woman. So you either get to be in the category of the wise or the category of the foolish. And there's like a little line, the line between the two has an open walkway. So you can just flow back and forth from one to the other. So today you may do something and put you in the wise category and you're like, yes, I'm wise. And then tomorrow do something Oh, that was foolish. And so we're going to talk about both of them today, but we're looking at that a wise woman builds or builds her house, but the foolish woman plucks it down with her hands. Let's look at the amplified version. It gives a little bit more uh, information in there. It says the wise woman builds her house on a foundation of godly precepts and her household thrives. You know, there's just some words that just make you feel something. The word thrive does that for me. It just, you know, it just makes me, I would love those Kaiser Permanente commercials when they were like, you're going to thrive. I mean, because it just makes me think of just bursting with life and with energy and just fulfilled and everything is going so well. And so it says that the wise woman builds her house on a foundation of godly precepts. And in Matthew, it tells us about what can happen when we build our foundation on a rock or when we build it on sand. Anybody ever played on the beach and you put something on sand? It's not a very stable uh, sort of situation. It's just going to, you know, come right out from under you. And if your foundation is not on a firm and stable surface, it's going to just come right out from under you. And even if you build with good materials, but you build it on a surface that's not stable, you can look at your house at the foundation and start seeing cracks 
or you can get ready to walk. Is that my husband laughing? We had an issue um, with our foundation and our house. When you look and you're like, oh, I'm going to rearrange some furniture. We went to put something in a corner and we was like, that's not right. Why is it leaning this way? And then we moved the curtain and I was like, whoa, where'd that crack come from? It was sinking on one side. So we had to call a guy in and get that fixed. So that can happen in our lives. You can be going along just well and all of a sudden move a curtain, look in a corner that you hadn't looked in in a while and be like, oh, when did that crack get in there and have to have your foundation sort of shorn up? Uh, So we're going to do a little bit of that today. But a foundation on godly precepts. When we are building our lives, we're building our families, our households on the word of God, because God doesn't change the philosophies of in this world, the what's in today, what's in, you know, not in today, those things change. And when you build your household on what is morally right today, that's not going to be a firm foundation because that may not be the same next week or next month. But when we build our foundation on the word of God, he is stable. We may misunderstand some things he said, so, but he hasn't changed his mind. He hasn't done anything differently. He's not making changes. Sometimes we have that situation over at the food bank when we give people a set of instructions and then they do something and it was not at all what we said. And so we tell them, no, that is not what you need to do. You need to do this. And and then they say those words that make me cringe inside. Y'all always changing stuff. (laughs) No, no, you just didn't listen and you didn't do it right the first time. So that happens with us with the Lord. And we think, Lord, why are you changing? He's probably in heaven going, no, no, I didn't change. You misheard. Um, And so we have to be careful that we don't mishear God and do things in an incorrect way. We want to build our foundation on godly precepts. It says, but the foolish one, the one who lacks spiritual insight tears it down with her own hands by ignoring godly principles. Now that is just a mouthful to me because there are so many things that can come against your household. So many things that can come against your kids. So many things that can come against your husband. So many things that can come against even your siblings, your aunts and uncles, you know, your extended family. There's so much that they have to contend with in the day. And it just saddened me so to think about, I could be the cause of some of their problems. My foolishness could be tearing down um, my family, could be tearing down the walls. It could be the place where they should be able to come to for comfort, uh, for a place where they should be able to come to and be at peace, could be the very place that is causing them agony. Isn't that distressing to you that our foolish choices uh, can cause that kind of grief uh, to our household? So we're going to work on getting that right today. Um, 
So every woman, all of our choices, our choices dictate our actions. So all of our actions are going to put us in one category or another. We're either going to be doing something uh, that is akin to being wise or we're going to be doing something that's foolish. Now, when you think about your house, we look at our house. Um, It is not just our physical house, although that could be part of it. Our house or our household is our immediate sphere of influence. So if you are married, of course, that includes your husband. If you have children, that includes your children. If you live um, with someone else, if you have an extended family situation or multifamily dwelling or whatever, that includes all of those that are in there. And if you're single, that still includes you because you could be tearing yourself down. You don't want to do that. So when we're looking at our household, it's not necessarily the physical building. I don't know that any of you are going outside and pulling bricks out of your house or, you know, pieces of siding off your house. We would all have more sense than to do that. Although I have heard (laughs) in my line of work, you get to hear a lot of things of people who, when it was cold, instead of going out to cut down some trees and get firewood for the fire, would just pull a plank off the side of the house and burn it because that met their immediate need. So we're not talking about them because that's a whole other level of people and we don't have the time to deal with their issue today. So we're talking about those who are more on an emotionally or spiritual level um, or even financially breaking down or uh, pulling down parts of their house. But that is our household. So our immediate sphere of influence, we want to make sure we create a loving atmosphere in our home. Um, You want your people to love coming home. Isn't that nice when you love coming home? You don't want to have one of those atmospheres where people are like, I'll work late. You no, no, you don't have to pay me overtime. I'll just stay. I'll, I'll take the holiday. I'll come in. Um, or do you need somebody to do something else? Anybody, anything, any, I'll do it. Just, just tell me I will do. You don't want that. You want people at the end of the day to be like, yeah, I get to go home. I get to go home. Okay, so we're going to look at some of the characteristics. We're going to go with the foolish woman first because I like to end on a positive note. So we're going to go ahead and get all the ugly out uh, first. So we're going to look at the the characteristics of a foolish woman. And again, while we're doing that, I want you ladies to look at you because I know sometimes we may be tempted to say, oh, yeah, I know. I know a lady. That's her. That's her. And yes, we do. We probably all could name, you know, a couple of women that we know that are foolish. And you hate to call people, you know, that. But the Bible even calls them silly women. And I've known some of those, too. Um, you don't want to get caught up with them. Uh, but I, and we will all have had some experience of knowing somebody that was foolish or you know, more, made more foolish choices than wise. But I don't want you to focus on them uh, today. I want you to focus on you because you can't fix them. So there's no point in us, you know, pointing out the foolish things that they do because there's nothing we can do about that until they are ready for help themselves. But what we're going to do is look at our own mess. Because we can clean up our own messes, can't we? We can, we can cry out to the Lord and he can help us to fix what's going on in us. So as we go through these characteristics, um, I do want you to think about your own life and how sometimes you may have played this role. 
And we're just going to be honest and we will embrace it and then we will repent and God will forgive us and make us whole and we'll move on. But now if you don't ever acknowledge and embrace it, you can't ever get it fixed. So you're in, you're in a safe place today. I've already told you that I saw myself sometimes in some of these. So there you go. If the pastor's wife can admit that she's been foolish in front of everybody, then you can feel free to just admit it. Cause I'm not even going to ask you to stand up and say, my name is so-and-so and I've been a fool. I'm not even going to have you do that. Okay. You just got to work with yourself at your seat, but I do want you to be honest because that is the only way that we can get help. And we do want to get help, don't we? Okay. All right. So the foolish woman, and this is where your bulletin comes in. The foolish woman destroys her household. And I like to do these little memory devices. So we have an acrostic here for the word destroys. And I'm just going to tell you, yes, the letter Y was a challenge, but we nailed it. So got there. All right. But we're going to start with D. The D in destroy is that she discourages those in her household. We don't want to do that. But a foolish woman does. She discourages him. She brings negativity to the table. There's always something that's not right. She's always got to complain about something. The people in her household don't have the confidence that they need to branch out because every idea they bring, she has some fault with it. She can find something wrong with everything. If it's just you put the toilet paper on the roll wrong. I mean, come on. If they put the toilet paper on there, we're in business. Forget about what side. It's just there when you need it. Okay? So let's not go around being a discouragement to those in our household. You don't want to go around finding fault with every little thing. Now, does that mean that you can't uh, give them some positive um, criticism? Of course, some constructive criticism, as they call it. Of course, because we want them to be better. But we have to be careful at how we approach that. You have to be careful uh, with the way we do that. So when they are coming to you with their hopes, with their dreams, with their ideas, the first thing out of your mouth shouldn't be something negative. Okay, you should be encouraging them, not discouraging them. So a foolish woman, if you ever find yourself always saying no, or you can't do this, or you shouldn't do this, or no, I don't think that's going to be the best for you. You need to stop and think about that. If you are just a source of negativity, you should not be saying no more than you are saying yes. All right. So a foolish woman discourages. Let's look at the E. A foolish woman emasculates. There you go. Your vocabulary word for the day. She emasculates the men (laughs) in her life. She takes every opportunity to make the men in her life look bad. And she may not even be aware of this, uh, but I have been around women that when at the end of the day, I'm like, why? You know, the things that they say about their husbands. I'm thinking, why in the world would you marry that dude? He sounds terrible. And so then you look at her and think, your judgment must not be good. (laughs) But she takes every opportunity to uncover his weaknesses. Oh, my husband can't do this, or my husband doesn't do this, or my husband can't do this. Everybody has things they can't do. But why focus on that? 
Why not focus on the things he can do? Why not encourage him in the things that he does well, brag on him about the things he does well, and brag on him to other people about the things he does well? When you're somewhere and there's an opportunity for something and you know that your husband would be great at it, you, know, you don't have to volunteer him to do it. I don't do that. I don't volunteer my husband to do stuff. I just tell him, Boy, if y'all could get my husband to do it, he'd be a great job, but he's busy. I don't know if he's available. And you're probably not even going to find anybody to do as well as he could, but he's not free. But I'm just telling you, if he were here to do it, oh my God, how good it would look. Because he is amazing when it comes to all this media stuff and editing. And he taught himself how to do it with the tutorials. Oh my goodness. You would not believe what he could do to this if you gave him the opportunity to edit it. But I'm sorry, he's booked. Um, But just so you know, you know, so take that opportunity to build him up. Wouldn't that make you feel good if you knew somebody was out there building you up instead of tearing you down? Everybody has weaknesses. But you don't have to go around and tell everybody that your husband's weakness. You don't have to uncover their mistakes. We all make make mistakes, but it's not everybody's business. You don't have to come and tell me, you know, my husband did that and talk him down. We don't want to hear that. You don't, I don't want you to be, you know, break because when you do, then when we see him, that's all we're going to think about. And that's not good. You know, because he's probably already feeling bad about the things he's not good at. And then you know that all the ladies around already know the things you're not good at. You know, come on now. Men need to be able to swell up their chest with pride and, you know, he-man banging on their chest sort of thing. You ain't waiting out. So you don't want to take every opportunity to make them look bad. The S in destroy. She is selfish. Because her main concern is... Uh, her main focus is what's best for her in this situation. She doesn't take the time to look at the long-term uh, consequences and the long-term effects. She's looking at what is good for me right here, right now. You can't be selfish and build a house. Um, so we don't want to be selfish. We don't want to be concerned. Now, are you important? Of course you are. And you should have some me time. I like my me time. Because when I don't have time to just me, for me to nurture me, then I'm not really any good to those around me because then you're running on empty. And when you're running on fumes, you are not nice. Well, okay. When I'm running on fumes, I am not nice. I don't know about y'all, but I am not nice. And so I have to come in my house with a disclaimer. Okay, y'all, I've already gone past my point today. So I'm just going to go back here in my room because I don't want to say something I have to take back later. All right, so we don't want to be selfish, but you do have an opportunity or do, you should take opportunities to build yourself up so that you can build your family up. That's different. That's different than just taking on things for yourself. Let's look at the T and uh, destroy. She is a troublemaker. Oh, we don't want to be a troublemaker. You don't want to be the kind of person that leaves chaos in your wake everywhere you go. Now, my favorite example of this is, and I'm dating myself at this point, Charlie Brown. Y'all know Pigpen. I just love that little dude. Pigpen on Charlie Brown. 
is this little boy that is so dirty. He has this big cloud of dust that follows him everywhere he goes. Well, a woman that's a troublemaker has this big cloud of chaos that follows her everywhere she goes. And it doesn't matter where she is, what group of people she's with. When she leaves, there is going to have been a problem. And she never realizes that she is the problem. She comes in and has this unnatural talent to stir up mischief of the people that's in the room. So she leaves and the dust and chaos remains. And she goes on about her business. But she will come into a group and just a few words. Did you hear what so-and-so said? Did you, I can't believe she said about that about us. I can't believe after all this work, she told me this and then she's gone. And then you're left going, well, what? I can't believe that either. I've been working hard and, and you just going to treat me like that. And she just going to talk about me like that. And you, I mean, you know, the person hadn't said anything to you directly. You've just heard what someone else says. And I can appreciate elderware for something that she does because she has had people come to her and say, well, so-and-so volunteer told me that they weren't coming back to the food bank because of X, Y, Z. And her response has been, well, she probably told you that because she needed somebody to confide in while she was venting. If she wanted me to know that, she would have come and told me. So since she did not, I'm going to disregard that information. It is inconsequential to me. And I thought, Well, that makes a lot of sense because don't all of us shoot off at the mouth when we're a little frustrated and you say stuff that you don't necessarily mean and you say it to somebody that you think is a safe place, but oh my God, she was a troublemaker and you didn't know that. You just confided in pig pen and she goes and takes that information and tries to get something stirred up and all you really wanted to do was just get something off your chest. I kind of learned that lesson when I was in junior high school, but it didn't stick. And so every so often I have to learn it again. I'm hoping I got it now. But I had a group of my, you know, girlfriends, we were working. I was on the yearbook committee. That was before they realized that that, um, that rubber cement that you could get high off that stuff if you weren't properly ventilated. And so the yearbook committee met and was essentially a closet And we were kind of closed up in there with the rubber cement. And we were teenage girls talking and probably at this point high from the rubber cement, no doubt. And so one was telling me, oh, this girl said this about you and this about you and that all about you. And so, you know, I was like, what? And I had some few choice words, you know, that I had to say about her because how dare she talk about. Now, y'all may not. I don't come. I'm not a fighter. I've not ever been a fighter, but I do come from women that'll cut you. But, <laughs> but I'm not sure that I have even, that I even got that gene, okay? So I can reason myself out of some situations, but when it comes to physical altercations, not my strong suit. Well, so I had run off at the mouth about all this because I'm with my girlfriends, right? We're all here. Well, did I know that one of them was pig pen? I did not. And before we could even get through recess into the next period, she had tracked the sister down and told her everything I said. She was a fighter. And so she came ready to fight me. And I'm like, what? 
she said, I said, what? And then it was, well, what had happened was. Yeah, and so luckily I was able to stall long enough for somebody to come along and break that up because it would have gotten ugly so fast. I'm not even sure I could have pulled off a decent cat fight. You know how you get you in the windmill thing? It would not have bode well for me. So you would think that I would have learned from that situation. But sometimes my tongue just gets out there before my brain engages. And before I know, I'm like, what? She said, what about me? Oh, let me tell you some things about her. So I'm working on that. But you don't want to be a troublemaker. You want to have the, the philosophy that Elderware says. If somebody comes to you and tells you something that somebody else said about you, well, you know what? If she wanted me to know that, if he wanted me to know that, they would have come and told me. So perhaps they were just venting. Maybe they just needed to get it off their chest and they thought you were a safe place that I'm just going to disregard. Doesn't mean anything until they come to me. So you don't want to be a troublemaker. The R in destroy. She is repressive. Uh, that means she keeps everybody under her subjection. Got her house, her thumb down on them. You don't get to do anything until I tell you you can do it. You know, you have to wait until you have my approval. We don't want to live a household like that. You want your people to be free, to create, to explore, to find out who they are and what they like. You don't get to be the one that dictates what kind of life they're going to have. Now, of course, we do set some boundaries when we got our little ones and they're coming up. But just because they are not being who you think they should be doesn't mean that what they're doing is wrong. Okay? Remember, the Word of God is our foundation. And if they are not acting contrary to the Word of God, then who are we to say? But you know what? Even a step further, if they are acting contrary to the Word of God, then where do we handle that? That's a matter for prayer. Because you can point your finger and tell people all day long who you want them to be and how you want them to be. But at the end of the day, it is their choice. And so if they don't choose to do what you want them to do, are they any less your household? You're going to love them any less? You can't go throwing people away. Those kids are part of you. That husband is the man you chose. You could have said no. And some of you did the asking. So I'm saying, you got what you wanted. You need to ask God to help you work that thing out now. But we don't want to be repressive. You don't want to go around uh, having your household under your thumb. You don't want to do that, keeping them under your control, under your subjection. Um, yes, you are the queen of your household, but they are not your lowly servants. Okay? All right. Now, the O in destroy. Oppressive. Okay, now this brings me back to SpongeBob. I'm sorry. There is an episode of SpongeBob where he, he is just a model employee, but he allows somebody, he allows Squidward to talk him into going on strike. He doesn't even know what strike is about. But I'm sorry, his little thing that he does, he's just walking around with his picket sign going, um, the Krusty Krab is unfair. Mr. Krabs is in there standing at the concession, plotting his oppression. And I'm like, <laughs> and it just 
just brings that to mind. You don't want to be oppressive. You don't want to be somewhere plotting how you can keep your family down. Okay? They are somebody that's oppressive is unjustly harsh. Um, they cause you to be dis- uncomfortable because you're just so intense. You know, you've just got, I don't know. I mean, you can just imagine you're being oppressed. You could just like, you can't even breathe. Don't be some, don't be like Mr. Krabs plotting your oppression. You got good people. Treat them like good people. Let them grow. Let them thrive in your care instead of being oppressed. So there's our cartoon for the day. I don't know why. I just, that is just like my favorite little scene from, and I don't even watch the show that often, but that little jingle has gotten me through quite a thing. All right. And the why in destroy it. She yammers. Isn't that such a beautiful word? Somebody yammering on and on again. She whines and complains and complains and she whines and it is loud and it is probably high pitched and makes your skin crawl and she does it constantly uh, because just think about you've got somebody that's negative and they're always whining, complaining and nagging. You know, you people that have that image of the nagging wife. All right, fine. The trash needs to be taken out. You've already said, hon, would you please get the garbage? He doesn't get the garbage. You have two choices. You can get the garbage or you can let the garbage remain. Either way, there's no point in saying anything else about it, right? Obviously, it's trash. We all made it. It has to go to the dumpster. So sometimes I go by and if it looks, I don't know, it's like sometimes we play, you know, that Jenga game. I think sometimes we are subconsciously doing that with our garbage because you go by and you're like, really? Piled up that high? Nobody's got this thing, really? I think I can slip my bottle down in there too. (laughs) You can walk out. Or you can say, you know what? I live here too. I'm going to pull this trash out. Or you can holler in there and say, Nicholas, come take this trash but he's such a good child. He will, he may not think to do it, but once requested, he will come sliding from the back of the house because he doesn't wear shoes there either and slide right up to it and go ahead and get the garbage. But there's no point in yammering on and on and on about it. You already asked somebody to do something. You, you've communicated it effectively. That's where we need to make sure that we've done that. You have made eye contact. You have let your request be made made known in a nice, friendly way. They have, in fact, heard you uh, as evident by their response. And sometimes you may have to say, did you hear me? I'm going to need you to repeat that to me. What did I just ask you to do? Right. And this is the timeline in which I would like it done. Thank you. And leave it alone. Now, if they don't do it, then you may have to have a little reminder of, well, you know, we're all in this together. Um, so if you're not going to, we're just going to use trash as an example. If you're not going to take out the trash, then yeah, I will have to take out the trash. But just so you know, the time that I use taking out the trash is time I could have used doing something else that you probably would have preferred me doing. But if, hey, you'd rather me take out the trash, that's the deal we're making? Okay, we can do that. 
Um, but you have to work things out in your own household. But we don't want to be nagging at people. Nobody likes it. Have you ever been nagged by somebody? Oh, you just want to grab them. <sighs> or you just want to cut them. No, <laughs> but we don't want to yammer on and on. Okay, the S and uh, destroys is she is subversive. And she goes around and tries to undermine the authority of others. Again, this is even uh, more so evident when she's a married woman and she tries to subvert her husband's authority. Um, Now, if you are building your house on godly principles and precepts, then you realize that the husband is the head of your house. And if the guy you chose is not a good head of the house then that is a matter you have to take up in prayer. You don't want to be subversive. You don't want to go and try to take his authority because you know he may be aware that he's not doing it well, but if you keep coming and taking it from him, what is the incentive for him to be better? You know. So I want to encourage the people in my household to be better. My husband is an excellent head of our household. Now, there may have been early on some things that he didn't know how to do, but, you know, He had never been a husband before. I had never been a wife before. So there were some things we had to learn, right? And he did things that he saw done uh, in the household he grew up in. And I did things that I saw in the household I grew up in, which leads to an interesting story, which since we're coming up on 25 years, I think enough time has passed we can share. I think we're good. So we had now in, in my husband's household, um, his mom had worked outside the home, but she had long since stopped and she you know, raised them. So she had been home and then his, his dad at one point had his own business and she worked with that. Well, his dad had to wear a lot of suits. And so his mom always had his shirts neatly starched and pressed that she had done herself, you know, hanging up at the beginning of the week so he could, you know, have them. And uh, then when the laundry, even, you know, with the towel, she folded them a certain way and, you know, had them in there. So he was accustomed to that. Well, then he got me. Probably should have checked on that first because in my household, guess who did the ironing? My dad. My dad loved to do laundry. That was his thing that he did late at night to unwind. <laughs> so he would have my mom's clothes ironed and all neatly pressed, hanging up in the closet for the week. And he did the, you know, washing and folding. Well, you know, that was later on when they got a washer and dryer. As long as they had us three kids in the house, they just gave us quarters and sent us to the laundromat. Not even with a decent laundry basket. We had to do that thing where you fold it all up in the sheet. Yes. <sighs> That's a whole other story. But I was accustomed to my dad doing those sorts of things. Now, and they both worked, uh, but that was what he did because he enjoyed it. And so when we got married, I thought at the very least, you know, everybody take care of your own stuff. I'll iron what I got to wear. You iron what you got to wear. We're good. And so, you know, very shortly into that, because he worked uh, in the courthouse environment and he wore suits shirt and ties. And so, you know, it didn't take long after the honeymoon, which was after our week, lovely week in Disney World, where we get back home and you got to go to work. And he gets up and he was like, where are my shirts? I don't know. Where'd you leave them? 
will you iron my shirt? I'm like, what? I'm trying to get ready too, dude. (laughs) And so, you know, that caused a little confrontation uh, going on. And we had to, and then, you know, when I finally was like, okay, I'm going to have to do this job. So then I was, you know, in there going, shirt, you know. Or don't you just want to take these to the laundry and have them done? Uh, But we finally came to something that worked well for us through the years. But we were both new at this. So, you know, I couldn't, if I had gone in and be like, what kind of husband doesn't iron the clothes for everybody? (laughs) You know, that wouldn't have been the best thing. Or if he had been, you know, what kind of wife doesn't do it? You know, the kind that had a daddy that did. But I had to respect um, his authority as the head of our household. And so just because he did things differently than my dad, I wasn't marrying my dad, right? I was marrying him. So I have to respect his authority as the head of our household. And like I said, he does a wonderful job of doing that. But when we do have issues, we take those issues in prayer. And then we sit down and we talk together uh, reasonably and rationally, but I don't go around trying to undermine him. If he makes a choice, when we have decisions that have to be made in our house, he does listen to my guidance. Um, He listens to my input. But I realize that at the end of the day, the final decision is his. And if it's a decision I don't like, it would be crazy of me. I would be a destroyer of my household if I went behind him trying to undo the things that he'd done. All right. So we don't want to do that. You don't want to subvert um, their authority. You're going to have to let them do uh, what they're supposed to do. You're going to have to uh, let them rule. Now, some examples uh, of some foolish women in the Bible, Jezebel, who did, you know, undermine her husband. She actually ran things. She was married to King Ahab and she was not a nice woman. She was murderous. She was trickered, trickery. <laughs> she was treacherous. She was awful. And good reading, though. First Kings, uh, is that First Kings? First Kings, uh, chapter sixteen through twenty-one. That could be a day. Oh no, evening drama show. That could be. That's some good reading. Um, but she was awful. She, uh, you know, worshipped idols, avid idol worshiper, and tried to not only not only she did it herself. She tried to convert everybody else to do it as well. And she had a, an awful. And her husband uh, was killed as a result of some of her actions. And she died a horrible death as a result of her actions. But guess what? The evil nature that she had lived on in her kids. And so they had, you know, there were some awful things that went on because of her children. So when we are destroyer of our home, we are planting those seeds in our kids, especially moms, our daughters, because no matter how much you run from it, she will one day become you. I have already accepted the fact I am becoming elderware. It is just, it is just who I am. You know, and sometimes I say things and I'm like, don't sounded just like her. <laughs> and so your daughters are going to become you and they are going to treat their husbands the way you, they see you treat their father. And you've got to ask yourself, is that going to be a good thing? You're going to unleash a lot of destruction on the world and we don't appreciate that. Another example, 
uh, of a foolish woman, Michael, Second uh, Samuel chapter six, verses sixteen to twenty-three. She was one of King David's wives. Uh, she was Saul's daughter. When she first married David, she loved him. But uh, there's a lot of things that went on with them. And at one point she came to despise him and not just him, but despise his worship. And she uh, did not like the way he worshiped when the ark was coming back into the city of David. And she was very ugly about it. So much so that after he, he worshiped, he you know, danced out of his kingly robes. Uh, and then he went to offer whatever sacrifices uh, because the ark had you know come back. Then he came back home as he was coming, he was coming home to bless his house. And she met him and started talking him down about, oh, how kingly you are and danced all your clothes off in front of the peasant women. I'm like, oh, no, she didn't. (laughs) And so he, you know, had some words back with her. You'll have to read the story. But her fate ended up, she had no kids of her own. And that, you know, even today, if you want kids, even today, that is a horrible thing. But back then it was a sign of divine judgment for a woman to be barren and to go childless. And that's what she did. She didn't have any any children. And not only did that just affect her, but that meant that her father, you know, King Saul, his line did not have a chance to continue. His household ended uh, at her, uh, could have continued through King David, but because of her words, it did not. Sapphira, Acts chapter 5, plotted with her husband uh, to lie to the Lord, to the disciples, and they both died. And that would have been a wonderful opportunity, not for her to subvert his authority, but to her to say, hon, I don't think we should do this. You know, it's our land. We don't have to give all the money if we don't want to, but at least let us be honest about it. But she was like, oh, no, we'll do it. Sister dropped dead. All right, so... Did you see any of yourself in the foolishness? I saw myself in some of the foolishness. But now we're going to move past that to the characteristics of a wise woman. This is where we want to live. This is going to be our wheelhouse here where we want to live because we want to be wise women. And the Lord tells us if we, in the book of James, if we lack wisdom, you want wisdom, ask him. He won't chastise you. He will give it to you liberally more than you need. All you got to do is ask. It's just there. So the characteristics, let's look at some of those. She nurtures her household. Again, this is an acrostic. So every letter is going to mean something. The N, nourishment. She brings nourishment to our household. That is emotionally, spiritually, physically, uh, mentally. She gives them what they need to grow and to prosper. So that means you got to have some nice, nutritious, hot meals on the table. Be good if you cooked them, but hey, Food also has to be presented, has to be plated. So somebody cooked it and I served it with love, right? I I used to always tell my kids when they were little that when you're preparing a meal, the secret ingredient is love. You always have to put love in your meals. And when I fixed their food, whether it was something I cooked or whether something I'm just taking out of the pack and putting on a plate, I try to think warm and happy thoughts about them while I'm doing that you know and they bring it brings a smile to I just think food tastes better when it is prepared with love and served with love so we have to bring nourishment mentally and emotionally sometimes you just got to be there if they need a shoulder to cry on and without judgment you know, just to be there for them to listen to what it is they've been going through. Um, 
That means sometimes you got to help them with their homework. You want them to be successful, you have to help them succeed. So being there for them, and if it's something you can't do, then getting the resources to them to get them the help that they need. But we want to make sure they have what is necessary uh, for their life, for their health, for their growth. The you in in nurture is understanding which means a knowledge of or familiarity with a particular thing, a skill in dealing with or handling something. We have to understand those that are in our house. Uh, you got to kind of know what they're going through. Uh, your kids are a part of you, but they're not you. Uh, they're born in a different time. Uh, they have a different DNA makeup. They've got some of you, but they have some of their dad. That may be good. It may be bad. Again, that was your choice. So, you know, that's what you have there. And they're dealing with different things, things that we didn't have to deal with when we were younger, or at least not in the same way. Some of the things may be the same, but I couldn't imagine. Just think if I had been my whole little fiasco with the yearbook committee thing, if we had been in the time of Facebook, that never would have ended. That would have been posted. It would have been on Instagram. It would have been on all this other stuff. And every time, you know, we'd about had it, somebody else would have brought it up, you know, but because it wasn't all that around, it eventually died away. And me and that other girl were still friends. Now, me and um, Pigpen, (laughs) I had to watch myself around her because I'm like, oh, that's who you are. Um, But, you know, they are dealing with things. There's things that are a lot more open uh, than when we were growing up. You know, we would sit around and we would talk about stuff sometimes if, you know, you may have you know, talked about it, but now kids can see it. Um, even on kids' shows, they can, y'all know what I'm talking about. They can see stuff they shouldn't see and experience stuff they shouldn't experience. And so we have to be understanding with, with them, excuse me, and where they are. And even with our husbands, I mean, you know, the man has a hard job. First of all, your husband has to love you the way Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That's not easy. Because sometimes y'all not lovable. (laughs) But that's a hard job. And it's a hard task being a man, especially now in a world that is so strong women driven. When you watch the TV shows, they usually show the women as strong and the men as weak. Uh, the women uh, bullying the men around. Uh, the men as dogs, unreliable, um, all of that kind of thing. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to say that, was I? I'm sorry. Um, but they don't paint a good picture of them. And so women grow, grow up thinking, or you look at that and you think that every man is that way, and they aren't. But you treat them that way because you're expecting them to hurt you and to leave you and run off um, at the first chance they get. Um, so it's a difficult situation. We have to be understanding of that. So we want to be understanding of the people in our household. The R, respect. You want to esteem each person in your household highly. You need to know their value, know their worth, and you need to act in such a way that they will know their value and know their worth. If you don't tell them they're worth something, then they won't expect anybody else to, and they will accept treatment from a man who does them wrong because they won't know that they are worth anything better than that. So we want to make sure uh, that we respect them. You want to honor their space. 
Uh, now, we are fortunate enough in our house that, you know, both kids had their own room. Of course, there was just the two kids and small rooms, but they had their own rooms. And so we respect their space. Now, of course, at the end of the day, it is our house. You know, they got the speech. This is my house. And I can get in there and do whatever I want to do when I want to do. You're not going to lock me out of my house. Yeah. But it's their space. We respect their space. Um, I do like it to be tidy. Uh, but if you want to wear your clothes after they've been strolled all over the floor, if you want to spend an hour looking for something because you didn't put it away, that's your time. That's the way you want to spend your time. As long as there's nothing growing in there, as long as there are no vermin living in there, and as long as the smell or the stuff does not invade the common areas, I can go by and close your door and leave you in that chaos. That's on you. Now, of course, I taught them how to clean their rooms, and when it gets so much that it starts distracting me, I will give them the warning. I'm going to go in and you've got a week to get this situation under control. If you don't deal with it, I'm going to. And what that means, this is telling me you have too much stuff that you can't keep it under wraps. So when I go in there and clean, it's going to the food bank. Now, they know it is not an idle threat because they have run me down. Give me that bag. (laughs) What did you put in there? But that is the way we do it. So I'm not going to argue about cleaning rooms. Mm-mm. I go by there, getting a little ripe. You may want, <laughs> you may want to do something about that. You know, go by. I'm telling you, I'm at my point now. It's distracting me. I can't think about it. I can't just close the doors getting to me. So I have to tell them, you got one week. Or I'm going in. And sometimes they have come out to me and like, Mom has gotten out of hand. Please help me. (laughs) I just can't do it. (laughs) Please help. But I do. You respect their space. You respect their stuff. I want them to respect my stuff. I respect their stuff. You don't just go around picking up their things and throwing them around and throwing their things that you know are valuable to them in the trash. Uh, we, you know, without bringing you know, stuff, I wouldn't take their things and give it away without bringing it to their attention. But you don't just disrespect their time. You don't disrespect their space. Um, you honor them and all of that. And the T is time. Spending time. You go out with that time. And I know for one point, everybody used to say, well, it's not the quantity of time. It's the quality. Well, I disagree with that. I think it's both. I'm going to need you to spend quite a bit of time with me because you need to get to know me. I need to know you. You know, we got to know. And when families spend time together, the more time you spend with each other, the more you relate. You relate to each other better. You don't get on each other's nerves as much. I know sometimes, you know, we get on each other's nerves, but you can flow better together when you're spending more time with one another. So you do need a quantity of time. And then you also need that to be quality time, which means you're going to put your phones down, put your devices down, um, stop, you know, doing your work. And you're going to have to look me in my eyeballs and ask me how I am and listen to my response and then communicate with me, ask questions about what I said and get involved with me. And when I'm done with that, you are dismissed. 
You may go, you may go and entertain yourself. I'm done now, but we have reconnected. And especially when we have kids, when they get to be teenagers, you have to look for those opportunities. They don't come as often, but you have to be aware of them uh, and listen for them uh, and, and spend time with your kids because sometimes it will be, um, you'll find out the most information and in what they don't say. Uh, when they're sitting with you and spending time with you and you need to have an open ear for that. So that's the T. The U is unity. We are Team Stroud. There's nobody that comes against Team Stroud. We are conquerors. We are champions. We work together. We don't tear each other down. Um, I'm not going to go out and talk down one of the members of my team. It doesn't work that way. You don't get to come and talk down one of my, the members of my team. Doesn't work that way. Uh, we are a unified body. We work together to get things accomplished. My husband and I, are we on the same page when it comes down to things with the kids. We talk about it first. Uh, we may not agree on the course of action, but we come to a unity before we go to them. We're not going to sit there and argue about it in front of them. No, I think they should do this. No, I think they should do that. No, we take care of that in our room. And then we come out and talk to them. And, you know, we let them know. Now, they do see us disagree. I'm sure they've seen us disagree. I live in a small house. They am sure they've heard us disagree. It's not loud, but you know, it happens. And I think even that is positive because they get to see us work through situations. Um, so they will know that yes, you and your spouse may sometimes disagree with each other, but you can still work it out. So unity, you want to make sure that your household is a team and that you work together. Uh, the R is reason. You want to exercise sound judgment, good sense. You want to be logical and you want to teach your children how to do the same thing. One of the things I would do with my kids, um, now, I know not everything is up for negotiation. Some things are just are. This is the rule. This is how it is. But sometimes they would ask me for things, and my answer would be like, no, I don't, I don't think that's good. But if you can come to me, I don't do whining. I don't do tantrums. You know, I never did that when they were kids. I don't do all this rolling around on the floor. If you're going to roll around on the floor, you're going to get you something and mop it up while you're down there because I don't like to mop. So if you want to do that, but I don't, I don't do tantrums and I don't do whiny. I can't stand whiny. But if you disagree with me, if you go think about it, come back to me with a logical thought out reason as to why I should allow you to do this and so I may reconsider. And sometimes when they would come to me, I would be like, yeah, that is, that's a good, that's good, but no, you know, here's why, and I'm just going to have to stick with my original, no, we're not going to do that. But there were times when they came back, and I thought, that is a very, you know, sound argument, very clearly thought out, granted, you know, you can do that. So teach them to be reasonable. You be reasonable. You can't always handle things in an emotional sense. Sometimes you do have to tell your children why. You can't always be because I said so. You know, sometimes they need more than that. Don't you need more than that sometimes? When people are telling you things, it can't just be because I said so. You need a little bit more. So you need to give your kids a little bit more sometime. The, what are we up to? E, encouragement. Be their cheerleader. Don't you like when people cheer you on? I was a cheerleader for a lot of years, and um, it was effective. I mean, you know, I know you're supposed to be whatever with the, with the people in the stands, but it made the players feel better 
knowing that there was somebody cheering for them, even though they were getting beat into the ground. We still told them how awesome they were and y'all just being robbed. It ain't even about you. The refs are just taking this game. But y'all are awesome. Be cheerleaders for your family. Uh, let them know how much you are proud of them, uh, how much they are doing, you know, a great job at what they do. And don't just wait for birthdays or special days. Sometimes just go by and say, you know what? I'm really proud of you. You're doing a great job with whatever. Great. You've, you know, taken out the trash and I haven't had to ask you and I really appreciate that. It's a tremendous help. You know, thank you so much. So you want to encourage um, them be their cheerleader. And the S, support. You want to offer support. Um, a wise woman upholds her household. They know that you are there for them. Uh, when they have projects that they're working on, that you would work with them and help them to make sure they get what they need so that they can be successful. Three quick examples of some wise women. We have Hannah in the Bible. First uh, Samuel, she really wanted a child. She prayed uh, and asked the Lord for a son. He blessed her with one and she promised to give him back to him. And when Samuel was weaned, that's what she did. She took him back uh, to the temple, but she had regular visits uh, with him and she was still able to pour into him. And he became one of the most influential men of God in the Bible. Um, another wise woman, Abigail, she was married to a husband who was not a wise man. Um, and when given the opportunity to help David, David had helped his shepherds. And when given an opportunity to return the favor, all her husband could think of was, this is my stuff and I'm not giving it away. And he was about to lose his life uh, because of it. And his household was about to be. Uh, the, the fury of 400 hungry men was about to rain down on his head. But she interceded and was able to stop that from happening. Now, her husband still died from a heart attack once he found out what all went on, uh, but at least the rest of the household was spared. Lois and Eunice, Timothy's mom and grandmom, uh, Paul mentions how they have poured so much into him by way of the wisdom and the word of God, and they helped him to grow into the, the man. They helped Timothy to grow into the man that he was, and he was able to travel with Paul and help establish several of the New Testament churches. So isn't that awesome? You don't know the kind of impact that you can have, not just on your household, but on the lives that they will touch. So instead of destroying, I want to encourage you to nurture every chance you get your household. And we're going to close out with this prayer that we have at the end, sort of a prayer confession sort of thing. And it goes like this, Lord, help me to be a wise woman. Help me to speak life to those around me. Help me to maintain an atmosphere of love and peace everywhere I go. Today, I choose to build up my house and not tear it down. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much for your attention today. Praise the Lord. We are going to call Pastor Stroud up. Amen. We pray that you are blessed today by the ministry. Remember, if you would like to hear this message in its entirety and even hear the entire series, just go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. That's www.kingdomrock.org. We will be so glad to connect with you. While you're there on the website, make sure to consider a financial donation in support of the ministry. 
And don't forget, if you're in the area, stop on by and visit with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night at 7 p.m. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Stop on by. And don't forget, while you're on the website, sign up for Kingdom Inspirations. We believe it's going to be a blessing to you. All right, until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.